Oh, good to see you. Happy Mother's Day, and I hope you enjoyed the breakfast if you were here with us this morning, and, and we just want to honor mom. Moms, you guys are incredible. There's no greater honor, there's no greater title than the title of a mother. Right? There's an old Spanish proverb uh, that says that um, an ounce of a mom is the same as a ton of pastors. An ounce... <laughs> of a mom is the same equivalent to a ton of, I think it's priests, but we'll just call it pastors. And so uh, I know my mom is, is amazing, and she's the reason why um, that I, I'm able to stand here today. Uh, it's the prayers of my mom is the reason why I'm here today. My wife is an amazing mother, an incredible, incredible mother. Um, I'm honored. Lori, I hope I'm going to embarrass you for a second. I'm honored. I have a childhood friends, mom here with, with us today. And Lori, I'm so glad that you're here. She is a mom figure for me. And I'm so glad to have you here, Lori. And uh, so, you know, we just love you, moms. You're absolutely incredible. Um, thank you for, for making, you know, your Mother's Day with us here today at this church. So um, we've been talking about um, 40 days that Jesus spent on earth after he resurrected. And that was, that's an important element to our faith because I think that, you know, for, for many people like me, you know, we talk about the resurrection of Jesus and Easter is a big thing for us and it really is. Um, but Easter is every day for us. Easter is the reason why we have faith. Easter and in in what we celebrate on Easter and the resurrection of Jesus is the reason, you know, why we, you know, put our faith and our trust because we didn't put our faith and a trust, you know, in a, in a God who's dead. We put our faith and trust in a God who's alive. And that's what's so unique about Christianity. That's what's so different about Christianity than any other world religion is that every other faith, every other faith, they believe or they put their trust in in a, a God or, or someone who claimed to be God uh, that, that, is, that is dead. But our faith, our faith is put into a God who is alive, the one and only true God. And, and that's who we, that's what we, so Jesus said, I want to, I just want to make sure that, that this is galvanized for everybody. I want to make sure that everybody knows that, you know, that I, it wasn't just a hoax. It wasn't just a made up story. It wasn't just a folklore. It wasn't just something that, you know, where, you know, people were hallucinating or, you know, or, or Jesus was, you know, you know, brought, you know, he never really died. No, Jesus wanted to make every, make it clear for people over a 40-day period that he truly did resurrect. He truly did. Now, I'm, you know, this statement may be, you know, absurd to you, but I think that it takes more faith to believe that he didn't resurrect than it does to believe that he did. I think based on the evidence that we have, and so we've been talking about that for, for a few weeks, and, and if you want to go back and listen, I encourage you to do that, and, or you want to keep tracking with us. I really do. I think it takes more faith to believe that he didn't resurrect then faith to believe that he did resurrect. The evidence that supports it is monument. It, it is mountains and mountains of evidence to support a resurrected Jesus. And so I, as, I am just more than confident today to tell, tell you that. And so the reason why I have faith is because I believe that he resurrected. And so anybody that can predict his own death and resurrection and pull it off and show himself, appear to people over a 40-day period, that's the guy that I'm going to follow. That's the guy that I'm going to put my faith in. That's the guy that whatever he says I'm going to do because he's the only one to pull it off. He's the only one to die, bury, resurrect, show himself 
over a 40-day period to, according to the Apostle Paul, over 500 people, over 500 people saw him alive. And so whatever he says, I'm going to do. I'm just a simple guy. Whatever he says, I'm going to do. If Jesus tells me to you know, love people you know, the way that he loved me, that's what I'm going to do. If Jesus tells me to pray for my enemies, that's what I'm going to do. If Jesus tells me to live a humble life, you know, that's what I'm going to do because he died, was buried, and rose and appeared to over 500 people over a 40-day period. So Jesus, like I said, we've been talking through that over the last you know, few weeks, who he appeared to and what, what lessons we can learn and glean from, from those things that he appeared to. So we're going to pick it up in the time when he first appeared to uh, the 11 disciples. That when he first appeared, actually there was only 10. One guy wasn't there. Um, we're going to talk about him next week. But it was, there was 10 of them. In, in, a, in a house. So here's where we're going to pick it up in the story. And we're going to kind of bounce back around um, to John's gospel, John's account, and Luke's account. And, but it's the same story, different accounts, okay? Same, same encounter, same meeting. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear. Now, this is one small bit of proof or evidence. Okay, so here's, here's why this is proof or evidence of a resurrected Jesus. Because those who brought us the story of Jesus were cowards, and they wrote themselves into the, their story as cowards. Now, if you're going to make up a story, if you're going to make up something that, that never happened, you're not writing yourself into the story as a coward, you're going to write yourself, in, yourself into the story as somebody who is courageous and somebody who is bold. Now, they later became courageous and they later became bold. You know why? Because they saw a risen Jesus. That's what changed for them. Changed for them. So this is where they are now in the, in the story. They think that Jesus, they saw him die. They, they believed that he was dead. They thought he was never coming back. But they thought that if what happened to Jesus may happen to me too. If what they did to Jesus, this is what they might do to those who were following Jesus. And so out of fear, they were hiding. Out of fear, they were in a closed door. And you can interpret that to mean that they were in a house. Bolt, doors were deadbolted. Doors were locked. You know, furniture was in front of the door. You know, windows were barred up or closed up. Like they were in hiding. And, and they were in some serious Fear. Now, here's what I want to say, come around to for a few minutes. I think that all of us have these kinds of fears. Now, it, you may not have the same kind of fears that these guys have, but all of us in our life have fears. We have worries. We have anxieties. We have fears that are crippling. We have things that, you know, we, we hold us back from doing certain things because, you know, fear sort of overtakes us. And all of us deal with these kind of fears. Their fears may be different than your fears, and your fears may be different than the person that you're sitting next to. But all of us in our life have some sort of fears, some sort of worries, some sort of things that we you know, can't foresee, and, and it makes us nervous, and we lose sleep at night, and we wonder, you know, how is this going to pan out, or how is this going to get better, or is this going to you know, improve? Is this situation or is this circumstance going to improve? prove. All of us have these kinds of fears and are all different and they all look differently, but they all 
treat us or respond. We respond in a way that we, we think that we can't take that next step or take that initiative or, or go in that direction or make that phone call or have that conversation. We think that we can't, you know, we can't get over that certain habit or that kind of addiction. And we have these, these, these crippling fears that hold us back to something that God may have better for. God has something better for us than, than, than these fears that are holding us back from what he has. And so when it was evening, their fear was this. Verse, the rest of the verse says this. For fear of the Jews, Jesus came, and, and here's what he, Jesus said to them. Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace, peace be with you. In Luke's gospel, it, it, he records it this way. He says in verse 38, and he said to them, why are you troubled? Why are you troubled? And then they're probably thinking, well, the reason why we have fear is because they, we saw what they did to you and we think they're going to do that to us. The reason why we feel troubled inside of our heart is because, you know, we're, we're not really sure how this is all going to pan out. And Jesus' response was, hey, hey, I just want you to know peace to you. Peace I give to you. And he stood in their midst and offered peace in life's hurts. I want us to get that today. I want us to come around that idea today that he stood in their midst, in the midst where their fear was overwhelming, in the midst where their hearts were troubled, and he stood in the midst of their hurts and their pains and their concerns, and he said, listen to me, I want you to know this. I offer peace to you. What I can give to you, I give, I'm going to give you this in the moments of hurts. What I can give to you, I'm going to offer this to you in the moments that you feel like you can't take that next step. What I have for you that I'm going to offer to you in the moments of, you know, you just feel troubled and you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Jesus is saying to you and to me, in that time, I have peace. It's like mothers. It's like mothers. I'm telling you, my, when, when we, my kids were younger, man, when they were crying, when they were upset, I mean, Katie, you know, would be in the middle of the night oftentimes, right? And Katie would kind of tap me in like, your turn, your turn, you know, kind of a thing, you know, and I was, you know, and I knew it was my turn, you know, even though I was hoping she would forget that it was my turn, you know, kind of thing. And she would like, get, you know, get, get up. And I would, I would try to, you know, pick up, you know, the kid, you know, and I would do the bouncing thing. And then, you know, later, later she would tell me that they were too little to do the bouncy thing. And, you know, I don't know if you were ever there, dads, you know, like, oh, oh I don't know, I don't know. And so and I just could never settle them down. And then it seemed like, I'm like, I can't get them to settle down I can't get him to settle down and then, and then sure enough mom would walk in there as soon as mom stepped in the room stop crying I don't know if that's your experience but that's my experience it's like moms man when you when they step into that room they just bring a peace and a calmness to a little child listen 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 in the midst of those hurts in the midst of these difficulties in the midst of these challenges I want you to know something that there's a Jesus who's alive who stands in your midst and he has something to offer to you and that offering to you is peace in the midst of your uncertainties in the midst of you're not knowing you know what's going to happen down the road or or what's how this is going to pan out I want you to know something that there's a Jesus who's alive that stands in your midst and says I have peace for you. Jesus already warned them of this. He warned them of this very, very moment. 
just a few chapters in John. Look what, he, look what Jesus tells him. He, tell, he tells him, guys, this is, this is what's going to happen, but I want you to know. He says, behold, an hour is coming and has already come for you to be scattered. He's telling them, guys, I already know what you're going to do. I'm going to die, I'm going to be buried, and you're going to run. You're going to be scattered. And he's, he even tells them, he, he says, you're going to each go to his, his own home. And he could have told them there, and you're going to close the door, and you're going to you know, lock the door, and you're going to put barricades over the door. He says, but he didn't. He just said, you're going to go to his own home and leave me alone, yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. Then look what he says. Look what he says in verse 33. He says, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. And then he tells us something about life. And I, know, I don't know if you know this about life or not, but life is, he says, but in the world you have tribulations. Like, I don't know if you are aware of this or not. Anybody aware that life is hard? Oh, no, just me? It's just hard for me. Okay, in this, thank you, in this life, his difficulties. In this life, there's, there's, there's hardships. In this life, he describes it as tribulations. In this life, in other versions, it says, in this life, there's troubles. In this life, we experience pain. In this life, we experience worry. In this life, we experience loss. He says, but in me, you can have peace. Oh, in this world that you live in, yeah, it's going to be full of lots of hurts and pains and struggles and worries and difficulties. But in me, you can have peace. And so what he's telling you and telling me is this, listen, 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 I know, I get it. He, and he does. He's in your midst. He's in the midst. He's in the midst with you. He's standing with you. He's walking with you. He knows it. He's, he's with you. And, and what's going on? He's, he's standing in the midst and he's, and he's whispering to you. I know that he is. He's whispering. I got peace. I got peace for you. I got a peace for you. And then he tells his guys, hey, in me, you can have peace. In this world, you're going to have troubles. But take courage. Don't fear. No fear. I should make a shirt that says no fear. There's already a shirt. He says, I have overcome the world. In other words, I overcame the world. Whatever the world did, whatever the sin that comes, whatever troubles and whatever difficulties, whatever hardships, whatever battles you face, listen, I've overcome it. I overcame it. I died for all of it. I was buried for all of it. And I resurrected for that fact that you can walk in that victory just as he walked in that victory over every single circumstance in your life including death. You know why the guys went from cowards to courageous? You know why? Because they weren't afraid of the one thing that many of us, we all fear. They weren't afraid of death. They didn't care. They're like, you want to take my life? You can take my life. That would just, you know, end this time here in this troubling world. But I get to go to a better place and spend eternity because of what Jesus has done for me. They didn't care if they died or not. It didn't matter to them if they died or not. They, because Jesus overcame the world as a result. And in the midst, he says, until then, until then, you can have peace. You can have peace. You can know that what 
God has for you is he has peace for you. You can know that whatever it is that you're dealing with and whatever it is that's, your, that's bringing fear into your life and worry into your life and troubling you to the point where you can't sleep at night, I just want you to know that there is a living Jesus who's saying to you, hey, hey, you know what I have? You know what I have more than what you can you know, even imagine? You know what I have? I've got peace, internal peace for you. Paul later wrote and said this. He said, you know what that kind of peace is like? He said, that kind of peace is like this peace that is incomprehensible. That's the way that he described it. He's like, you know when, you're, you, know when you see people that are going through stuff? You know when you see people that are going through issues and you're going through you know, challenges? You, oftentimes, man, I get to sometimes get a front row seat to this because I get to go to you know, spend some time with families and people in hospitals. And, they, and they're going through, and you just know that, man, they're just battling, and they're going through it, you know, and they're go, working through stuff, and they're trying to figure out why certain things happen in their life. But yet, in the midst of that, they just have this sort of peace about them. Have you ever seen that? I mean, those are the best sermons. Those are the best sermons. Without even saying anything, those are just those, those times where you just go, wow, man, am I encouraged by their faith. Man, am I grown you know, immensely because of their faith and what they've exhibited in the midst of their hurts. They just have this peace. You know where they got that from? They got it from Jesus, the prince of peace, by the way. They got it from him. And you can you can get it from him as well. And that piece, Paul says, that piece, people can't even comprehend it. Have you seen that kind of piece? That piece where people look at your life and they know what you're going through, they know what you're working through, they know what you're battling with, they know your circumstances, and they're just looking at your life and going, wow, I don't know if I would handle that situation like they're handling that situation. That piece, I can't even comprehend it in my mind, that kind of piece. And you're going, I know it's only from him. It's only from him. Me on my own. I can't have that kind of peace, but that comes from him. Listen to me. You can have it. You can have it. And Jesus is offering it to every single one of us. He goes on and says this. So he's gathering around he's around the guys in the house and walks, somehow stands in their midst and offers peace. So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. He's, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm going to belabor this point. Peace, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. He says, I'm, we're, we're going to tag it out now. We're tag teaming it now. We're going to, I'm getting ready to get out of here. I'm going to spend 40 days with you, but then I'm going to send out of here and go to the Father and be at the right hand of the Father, and I'm going to intercede for you. I'm going to be an advocate for you, you know, in your life. But I just want you to know that I, as God, as the Father has sent me, I'm going to now send you. And when he had said this, this is kind of weird. When he had said this, he breathed on them. Now, that's kind of weird, don't you think? He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know the scenario here, but can we just like be real for a minute? Like, I don't know what that looked like necessarily. Like, did he just get up into their grills? Like, like did he just get right up into their faces and just start breathing their air? I mean, if they could have written down what they were thinking, they're like, you're breathing my air, 
you know, bro, back away. You know, I, hopefully they're a little bit more reverent than that. But like, like, you're in, like he's breathing. He breathed on him. I don't know if he like stood back and he was like, I don't know, you know, across the, the whole room, you know. But whatever the situation was, I mean, and this just reminded me too, and Juan was telling me about this, that, you know, my wife did it, my mom probably did it, and you did it. And anybody, like, when you have babies, you know, and they're sleeping, and they're, you're, like, not really sure, and you just sort of have this concern that they may not be breathing. And so what do you do, moms? Like, you just get right up into their face, don't you? Anybody moms do that? My wife did it. You know, like you just get right in and you're like, you just want to make sure you feel. You know, if the baby woke up, they would be like, mom, you're breathing. You know, you're breathing in my face, you know. I don't know if that's what he did. But here's what I know. Here's the, here's the point. Here's what Jesus was telling, doing for them. He says, listen, I want you to understand something. That what I have, I'm giving to you. What I have, I'm giving to you. I'm gonna, and you're gonna, and I want you to receive the Holy Spirit. I want you to receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them and offered power from on high. That's what he was doing for them. He breathed on them and he offered power from on high. Luke wrote it this way. Here's why we get this from. Here's what Luke said about it. He says, and behold, I am sending forth the promise. What promise? The promise of, of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. He says, listen, listen, listen. Here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to know. Christian, Christian, Christian. Here's what you need to know. You have been given power from on high. You have been given, it's, it's, the, it's, it's the Holy Spirit of God, it's the promise of the Father. So Jesus spent 40 days, ascended into heaven, is at the right hand of the Father. But when he, when he, when he came, he came at the time of Pentecost, when they were all gathered around for the celebration called Pentecost in the city, and the Spirit of God came and overwhelmed. Now, here's what happens to you when you put your faith in Jesus. Here's what happens to you when you put your trust in, in Jesus. The Spirit of God comes and lives inside of you. The power of God comes and lives inside of you. The Apostle Paul said it this way. Here's what he said. He goes, you know the same power that resurrected Jesus out of the grave? He says, that same power is in you. The same power that beckoned Jesus and called Jesus out of the, out of the tomb, that same power resides in you. I remember my kids when they were little, they would. Uh, they loved superheroes. They loved the, you know, the the whole idea of like any superhero, right? And we would, you know, for Halloween and really any other occasion, we would buy them costumes. We would get them like Iron Man costumes. We would get them Spider Man costumes. You know, we had all sorts of different kinds of you know superhero costumes. And when they put that costume on, I don't know if you had the same experience with kids, but when they put that costume on, that's who they were. When they put Spider Man on. You know who they were? Spider-Man. Like you couldn't call them by their name. You had to call them Spider-Man or maybe Peter Parker or whatever the case may be. But they, they, just, they just took on that persona. They took on as if that's who they were. They were Iron Man or they were Superman or they were Batman or whatever your, you know, Thor or whatever your favorite hero is. That's who they became. That's who they became. They were clothed as, like, as if they were a superhero. 
They were clothed as if that's who they were, and they were stronger. They were faster. They could jump higher. They, were, they could defeat anything. Didn't matter what came their way. If, you know, yeah, you know, they couldn't defeat it, but Spider-Man could. Yeah, they couldn't do it, but man, Iron Man could. You see what I'm saying? This is what's happened to you and to me, but we forget this. This has been lost to us for some reason. But here's the reality. Here's what you need to know. You've been clothed with power from on high. If you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've been clothed with power, the same power that resurrected Jesus out of the grave. You've been given that power. You've been given that ability to go and to share and to be bold and courageous and, and don't fear and don't worry about whatever circumstances you know, come your way. You have the power to do something in and through you that only God can do. You have it. You've been clothed with it. Too many Christians, we walk around defeated. Too many Christians walk around timid and concerned and worried, anxiety-stricken. Too many of us walk around thinking, I, you know, I don't have anything good to offer. I don't have anything good to say. I'm not, I don't have anything, you know, to, to contribute to my job or my workplace or my family. Too many, too many of us walk around defeated. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You have power. You have power. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Many of us don't realize it because we haven't tapped into it. Many of us don't realize it because we just haven't exhibited that kind of courage. Many of us don't realize it because we just haven't stepped out of our crippling fears and said, you know what? I don't think I can do it. I'm not sure if I have it within me, but I just think, man, if we just decided that we were gonna just do something for God that was bold and courageous, I'm telling you, you know what you'll discover? You'll discover that there is a power inside of you that you never knew you had, but it's been there the whole time. I'm telling you right now, we need to just get a little bit more bold and a little bit more courageous and a little bit less timid. And we need to start going out to this world because Jesus said, hey, you know how the Father from heaven sent me? I'm now sending you. Whoa. And he wants you to feel like a superhero. Because that's exactly who you are. You're not just anybody's son. You're not just anybody's daughter. You're the God almighty breather into life giver creator of the universe he's your heavenly father and you're his son and daughter that should look different don't you think church that should look different adam was formed out of the dust of the ground which should just remind us who we are as a matter of fact, the psalmist wrote that. He says, I want you to remember that you were formed and that you are just dust. And that should humble us. 
and put perspective and give us perspective on who we are. He says, but I want you to know that that Adam form was formed out of the ground, out of the dust, and he made man. And you know what it says after that? It says that God leaned into him, and it says that he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, the very exhale was the breath of God. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. He was dead and dormant and lifeless, and then God breathed into him, and he was alive. He was alive. God came to Ezekiel and says, hey, prophet, you see these valleys full of bones? It is just thousands and thousands of bones, dried up bones in this valley. And God says, hey, prophet, can these bones live? And Ezekiel's probably first thought is, not a chance. They're just bones in a valley. And God brought in, in this, this wind or God, in other versions, it says the breath of God came in. And it says that as the breath of God came in from all directions, it just started forming these dead, dormant, dry bones on the ground. And it started forming into life. And it says that they, there was skin on them and sinews on them and tendons and whatever else is the the anatomy of the body, whatever else takes place in that process. But it just says, it says that they became a mighty army. Do you understand that that's the picture of the church? Do you understand that that's a picture of the gospel of Jesus? That you were once dead in your, in your trespasses and in your sins. You were once dead to sin, but God breathed life into you and made you a living soul. That you were once separated from God, but now you're in the family of God. Listen, you've been given power from on high. You're not just a dead, dormant person in the valley you are a mighty army for the kingdom of God. Let's stand together and let's realize that we together can do great things for God. That's the power that God has given to you and to me. You're not dead anymore. You're alive. And that's the message that Jesus gave to those guys. I'm not dead anymore, gentlemen. I'm alive in your midst offering you peace, but not just peace, I'm offering you power. Power that's from God. Power to do something that you couldn't do on your own. We gotta live that out. We gotta come out of our shells. We gotta be a little bit more bold. We gotta be willing to say, you know what? What's at stake is the lives, the souls of people. That's what's at stake. He's given you that power. He's sending you, just like Jesus was sent to this earth, he's sending you, Jesus follower. And you're not going in alone. You've been clothed with power from on high. So in the, Paul said it this way, I love this. This is what Paul said. He says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 3. He says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. This is the apostle Paul saying this, right? 
Boy, if there's anybody that you would have thought was just, just had this kind of courage and boldness, you would think it would be the Apostle Paul. He says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Verse four. And my message and my preaching was, were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. He says, I don't, want you, I don't want to come to you, and I don't want you to just be entertained by the words that I say or you know, try to persuade you based on some sort of wisdom and some sort of you know, engaging thing. I, I, Paul says, I'm just coming to you. I'm coming to you in fear. I'm coming to you in, in, in worry and concern. I'm coming to you, you know, just feelings, the, the emotions that many of us feel when it comes to you know, sharing our faith or you know, spending time with people and, and, you know, and trying to encourage them in the things of the Lord. I'm telling you, Paul felt that. And here's what you need to know. You need to know that you don't have to try to, within your own intellect and your own wisdom, try to think of things to say to to persuade them to put their faith in Jesus. You need to know that you show up with the spirit and the power of God that God will do a work in and through you. You don't have to try to figure out a way to persuade people to put their faith in Jesus. You just need to know that you're stepping into a circumstance and the power was given to you. From on high. And he told them this so that your faith, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. I I don't know if you know this or not, but we're all overrated. I am. I'm way overrated. You may think, oh man, you know, he's works all week, tries to find some sort of persuasive way, wisdom, persuasive way to try to get me to engage. Listen, I, I got news for you. I, I do want to, it, this to be interesting. That is a desire of mine for you to be, you know, want to pay attention and want to listen, but I got news for you. Mostly I'm praying that God just gives me a power to overcome a fear or worry that I have when I step before you every single Sunday morning. I don't know if you know this, and I'm going to let you in on a little secret, but I get scared, and I feel afraid. But then I ask God to give me some peace, and you know what he does? He gives it to me. And then I ask God to give me a little bit of power from on high, and he gives it to me. And I just think that that's the kind of thing that we all need. From God. And anytime we step into a, a deal or a circumstance or a situation where we feel like this anxiety overtaking our life, here's what you know. You know this, that you have a Jesus who's standing in your midst who says to you, here, I have peace for you. Here you go. Here's your peace. And you get it. Oh, oh, oh you're not just going to get peace. no 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 you already have power from on high too by the way so just pretend like you're suited up like a superhero and step into that situation and you'll see the power and it will blow your mind Jesus wasn't done he wasn't done you know what he did next this is so amazing. Guys, I'm telling you, that you got to read the Bible. It's incredible. Read the scriptures. It's amazing. 
He says this, Luke, Luke says it this, this way. While they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst and said to them, peace be, be to you, okay? But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. So this is, uh, you know, Luke's version. They thought when Jesus came into their midst, they thought they were seeing a ghost. They thought they were seeing a ghost because Jesus just shows up. I mean, that's kind of interesting, don't you think? I mean, this is real stuff. Like, nobody's going to make this stuff up. When they're writing, Luke's, you know, interviewing people, and he's, he's writing this stuff down. They're like, yeah, we, when he showed up in our midst, we thought he was a ghost. We thought it was a ghost. And then it says this in verse 41. While they still could not believe it because of their joy and amazement. Now, they're, he's now just like telling them, guys, I got peace for you. Guys, there's power from on high for you. Guys, guys, listen, listen, I just want you to know. And then they were still going, I don't, know, I don't know if I can believe this. Like maybe this is you today right here, right now going, really, he's got peace for me? Yeah, he does. But you're going, I don't know. It really, I've, like, I'm clothed with power from on high. Seriously, like that's a real thing. The same power that resurrected Jesus out of the grave, that's in me. That's, that really, really, and, and, and so you're in the same boat as these guys. Because they're going, you, they still could not believe it, but they were just overwhelmed with this joy and amazement because they were like, are you, like this is how you should, you should feel right now. Joy and amazement. You should have joy and amazement, knowing that whenever you need it, there's peace that you can have. You should have joy and amazement because you should know that whatever circumstances you walk into when you leave this place, that you have power from on high because you're a son and a daughter of the Most High. You should be overwhelmed with that joy and that amazing amazement, and then you're, that yet you're still going, ah, it seems too good to be true. You should. They were. But if you're feeling that, you're not alone. You're not alone because that's how they felt. Peace from God? Wow. That's amazing. Power from God? Whoa. That's incredible, but I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But then, look at, he seals the deal. Are you ready for this? He said to them, look at, look at, have you anything here to eat? I, did you write that down? I mean, he was just like, I got peace for you. You feel troubled? You got fear? I got peace for you. Oh, oh, by the way, I'm going to breathe on you. I know that's kind of weird, but I'm going to breathe on you. But I just want you to receive that Holy Spirit, and you're going to be clothed with power on high. And they're just going, wow, what he just said is amazing. Wow, they're just overjoyed, and they're just amazed, but yet they still like, I don't know, I don't know. And then Jesus said to them, hey, hey, guys, guys, is there anything to eat around here? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. They're like, uh, sure, we got some fish we're broiling over here. 
we were getting hungry. We were locked in this house for a while. We weren't sure who was knocking on the door, and so we figured our last meal might be a piece of broiled fish. I don't know what your last meal would be, but that was what they decided they wanted their last meal to be was a piece of broiled fish. I'm not a big fish eater. I don't know if you're a big fish eater. That wouldn't be my last meal that I would want to have, but that was something that they were cooking up, broiling, going over, and they're like, yeah, um, excuse me, you just talked about peace. You just talked about power, but now you're hungry. And he actually wasn't hungry. I don't have time to get into all that theology, but he actually probably wasn't hungry. But what I think that he was doing was this. First of all, he was telling them that first, ghosts don't eat fish. You can write that down. Ghosts don't eat fish. But what he was doing, I know, that, that's, that blew your mind right there. Ghosts don't eat fish. If you walk away from anything from church, what did you learn at church today? I learned that ghosts don't eat fish. That might get somebody to come back and check us out. I don't know. No, no, he ate some broiled fish and offered, what was he, what was he doing? He ate some broiled fish and offered proof of a living hope. That's what he was doing. He ate some broiled fish because he wanted to prove to those guys that he wasn't a spirit, that he wasn't a ghost, that he wasn't coming from some other place, some other realm, you know, that he was literally in the flesh with them, in their midst, offering peace, breathing on them and giving them power so that he can prove to them that he is truly alive, that their faith is not lost to some ghost or some spirit that their faith is real and proof of that was that he just ate some fish to prove to them that he was in the flesh with them. You see, he's in your midst and giving an incomprehensible peace. That's what he is. He's in your midst and giving an incomprehensible peace. Then the, you know what else he's given? He said he's breathed into your heart an inconceivable power. And he's offering through your changed life irrefutable proof. You know what he's telling us today? Here's what he's telling us today. Come on, come on, come on. Here's what he's telling us today. Here's what you know. Christian, certainly Christian here in this room. Here's what you need to know. That the peace of God and the power of God is proof of God. You with me? That the peace of God in your life, when people see in you the peace of God, even though you're going through it and you're dealing with it and you're struggling through stuff, the peace of God and the power of God, when people are going, wait, you seem like you're kind of an introvert. Yeah, I am an introvert. You seem like, you know, you don't know a whole lot. It's like, I don't know a whole lot, but I do know God. I do know Jesus and and what he wants to do in and through me doesn't matter how much I own. It doesn't matter on my education. What matters is, is that do I have a relationship with Jesus? And so, Here's what he wants you to know. The peace of God plus the power of God is proof of God. That's it. I'm telling you, when you walk into a deal, when you walk into your workplace, when you walk into your schools, when you walk into where you go and do life, I'm telling you, when you exhibit the peace of God, when you exhibit the power of God, there's what people will do. They'll go, wow, there must be a God. There must be a God. And there is. I'm telling you, I am proof of that. I am proof of 
that. I, I'm telling you, life change can happen in Jesus. Peace that he gives you is incomprehensible. And the power that he gives to you is something that can never be questioned. And then that makes people go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe there is a living hope. That what he did for him and what he did for her, he can do for me That you could be, come on, come on, come on. You could be because of the peace that God gives you and because of the power that God has clothed you with, that you could be proof for someone that there is truly a living hope. Because you believe it, right, church? You believe that there's a living hope, right, church? You believe that He. In him, you can have peace. But in this world, you're going to have tribulations. But be of good cheer. Because there's hope. There's hope. There's living hope. That when it's all said and done for you, you get to walk into eternity and be with him. That's hope, right? That's hope. You could be the proof of that kind of hope. Take on that peace that he gives. Live out that power that he's already clothed you with. And you'll be proof that there truly is a God who's alive and transforming, changing hearts, transforming lives every single day. Father, we thank you for the fact that you offer incomprehensible peace. Even in the midst of it, especially in the midst of it, you give a peace that passes all understanding and a joy unspeakable, full of glory. God, you, when we received your spirit, you've given us a power. Not the spirit of being timid, but a spirit of power, courage, confidence. That we are your sons and we are your daughters. We are part of your family. We get to call you Father, Abba Father. And in that, we get to prove that life change really does happen in you. We get to prove that transformation really does work in you. That you change us from the inside out. You make us the best version of us that you've always intended us to be. That's found in you. We get to be evidence of a living hope, a hope that we put our faith in and our trust in. I pray that every single person here has put their faith and their trust in your son, Jesus, who died for their sins, who truly died and was buried, but the grave couldn't hold him down, that he over 
overcame the world and he resurrected and he's offering peace and he's offering power to every single person that will receive him. Him. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for extending grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Mother's Day. God bless you.